Welcome, my mere model lads, to another round of the Mere Models book recap. Yes, indeed, it is that time of the month again, where I go over all of the books that were read in this previous month, that being April 2022, and give some perhaps additional commentary insights, maybe something uh, that I took from it, which was probably not worthy of being put in the book review and then expanding on that a little bit here. So a lot more long form and free form content. Before I get into that, I just want to remind you this is a value for value podcast. So for those who are wondering what that means, essentially I ask value for return in return for the value that you're getting from this. So how much entertainment are you getting? How much knowledge? How much whatever it is? And uh, returning that value however you want, time, talent or treasure. So you could uh, suggest some books to me, something that could be interesting that might be up my alley that you think, oh, based on Kyron's recommendations, he enjoys this. Some additional insight, maybe some suggestions on how I could improve the content. And then, of course, my favorite way, which is Boostergrams, a way of listening in your favorite podcasting app if you choose to listen by the audio and uh, sending through a message with a value attached to that. And that value can be however much you want, could be as little as five cents, 10 cents, it could be as much as 20, 50, $100, however much you want. Uh, but I really do appreciate it. And it is a, a reminder that uh, this show goes on with your support. I can't continue doing this forever as much as I do love doing it. Uh, there will be a point at the future where I'd either need to have a, an income from this or you know the, the show quality would reduce because I would have to go elsewhere and do other things to, to maintain uh, a normal semblance of a lifestyle. But with all that being said, let's get into the books of April 22. And the first I want to bring up is Medea and Other Plays. So this was a book written by Euripides. I'm still not sure how you say that name, uh, who was an ancient Greek playwright and basically contained four plays. The plays were things like The Children of Hercules, Medea, um, there was a couple of others, I've forgotten the names of them as well. Um, but yeah, it was interesting reading some of the, well, first the, the style that was that it was written in because they were actual plays, so you could see, you know, Hercules, blah, 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 or Heracles, and then, you know, his child or the uh, another person speaking, blah, 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 blah. So you really got a feel for what it would have been like to be, I suppose, in the crowd maybe of of the ancient Greek times when you, if you see some of the photos I posted uh, along with the chapter art, you could see these, you know, big auditoriums, huge, huge places and you'd really wonder, when, one, how the sound would carry in those places. But also, man, that would have been an exciting time, you know, before television, entertainment, things like that. That would have probably been the main source of, of entertainment and, and uh, I suppose the, the joy that you could get from, from life would be like, we're going to the play. Wow, um, you know, Euripides has written this banger. <laughs> He's written this awesome new play. Uh, and what I really liked as well about these was it, it didn't follow the standard Greek uh, archetype, the, the standard Greek storytelling, of which you'll find in Homer's works or, or Virgil um, with the Aeneid and stuff like that. This was more, you weren't sure what was going to happen. The characters didn't have a god backing up them up saying, you got this man, just keep going. Uh, you know, it'll all work out in the end. No, they were very unsure of what was going to happen. And bad things certainly happened. Medea, had, you know, she killed her children uh, and, and Jason's children and uh, flew, you know, flew off into the sunset sort of thing. 
all the while, you know, giving the middle finger and, and flipping him off and, and taunting him as she was going. Like it was, it wasn't, the gods weren't certainly uh, smiling upon Jason. And then it just fi- finishes. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of, of getting into a different style of, of the Greek myths um, and maybe some of the lesser known ones as well. I'd never heard of Medea before this or I think it was Hippolytus um, and, and some of these other characters. So I quite enjoyed it and um, a, a refreshing take, I suppose, rather than the, the standard hero, you know, uh, the Ulysses or, or um, Jason or... Uh, forgetting all the names of these people, Achilles or people like that, you know, that was, I felt they were more human and I really enjoyed that aspect. Another one which was coming through, and so I gave that a six and a half out of 10. The The next one was The Social Leap. And so this is actually coming out slightly before that has been released. So if you want to see that, just have to wait a day or two and it'll be out. And this is this book here by William von Hippel. And this book was, uh, I suppose, like an evolutionary it was it was really looking at uh, I suppose evolutionary speaking with regards to how humans interact with with each other, why we do certain things, why we might be altruistic, um, how and why humans connect uh, the, the the ways we do this. So um, to read from the back here and the social leading psychologist blah 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 traces our evolutionary history to show how events in our distant past continue to shape our lives today. Um, yeah, so there was actually quite a few things from this I, I wanted to to point out, and that I noticed in particular. Um, there, there was supposed like maybe a couple of like little insights which I thought were worthy of uh, just repeating here and, and seeing if uh, maybe other people would see these same same things. So, um, understanding intention is useful for calculating future actions. So, did this person kick me or um, on purpose or was it an accident? And I, me personally, I've always felt like intentions don't matter too much. It's more the action, what the action actually produces and the result. So, you know, law of unintended consequences. I don't really give a shit if you meant to do good. If you did bad in the end and made things worse, well, that, you know, that that's helps no one and solves nothing. So I've sort of been discounting intention a lot. But thinking about this made me realize, oh, okay, no, intention has a role to play because it's a good use it's a good metric for knowing what someone might do in the future so um, if they're like oh I'm, I'm trying to help this person bad things happened and then they don't decide that actions matter and they just want to feel good regardless of whether it it helps the world or not that's an important piece of information for me to know so I can be like mm, maybe I won't associate with this person or be in the the firing line of their good intentions. Um, so that that was one that uh, jumped out at me. Agriculture actually decreased lifespan from hunter-gatherer times until modern medicine and understanding of germ theory. I had somewhat known this. I heard this for a while, and I, I always was sort of somewhat skeptical of of how the uh, how the lifespan would have decreased from hunter-gatherer times. I you know you're walking around, you're moving a lot, you're picking up berries, you're hunting stuff. It, more people show up and you're like, oh, I'm just going to relocate. Whereas when you've got a farm, uh, you're going to be stuck by the river or by that port or by that land because you've you've, you've put your whole life there. Um, and there, But he made a great point of being, you know, all these bad things come of that. You're, you're stuck with your neighbors. 
you're back in those days they didn't have great sanitation so you were you know living next to where you um, shat and and pissed and uh, germs were just rife you were living with your animals things like that and I went oh, okay all right that that sort of clicks that little block that I, I had um, had in my own mind I suppose uh, sexual selection forces us into zero-sum thinking. We're always only better on a relative scale to our direct competitors, i.e. friends and colleagues. Uh, however, this only applies when the stakes are high and the task is important. So that was another one where I've, I've somewhat been discounting status a lot. I, I don't particularly enjoy status games, i.e. chasing the Joneses, particularly for me, material wealth doesn't, doesn't hold much for me. But it did get me thinking, mm, in the sexual selection marketplace, uh, it is quite important. And seeing as I'm single, <laughs> it is an important factor to consider. And this is maybe one of those ones where it's like, oh, okay, maybe I should be you know, highlighting certain parts about myself, which do show that I have a higher status. So even though um, you know, I don't work at the moment, it's not because I'm relying on government money to to you know help my lifestyle it's because i've saved up saved up money and i can just live off my own things so uh, i think there's certain ways where i should maybe think about status and and how that can apply to my own life um and i'll probably talk about this more on the mere mortals podcast so if you type in status in um in our little search bar you'll you'll come up with uh, that that topic and then social innovation versus technical innovation. This was one I'd never thought of. So standing in line versus creating a light bulb, i.e. there's social innovations that can happen and I'd never really thought of them as being a, an innovation. But yeah, you know, forming a habit where we all stand in a line versus crowding in, all trying to get into one store or something like that. It saves time. There's definitely lines make things better, having that little bit of politeness. Um, and that is an innovation just as much as creating a light bulb is a technical innovation and, you know, provides light. And now I can have, um, you know, a prettier YouTube videos and things like that because someone invented it and then someone added onto that and things like that. So even though you might think mm, the engineers are the ones really shaping the world, you could make a really good argument that no social innovation is just as important. So how you respond to people via, you know, a direct message or something like that, or even the evolution of social media where it was, you know, when it first started, Chiron is thinking about X and that's how people would use it. And now it's more of a, a mind splurge and you give your opinion. You're not talking in third person, you're talking first person. So yeah, some, some cool little things from there. Um, and then the last one, phenotypic indulgences. So these are things that mimic ancient pleasures without delivering adaptive outcomes. So porn, for example, you know, seeing an, a naked woman on your screen, it, it mimics the, the pleasure ticking off in your brain being like naked woman, sexual opportunity here. But of course, you know, it's just you and your hand. So <laughs> it doesn't actually deliver any adaptive outcomes. Maybe some research has been done and uh, done, and it actually, you know, the more you masturbate, the the higher your sperm count gets, and this provides an adaptive outcome. But let's, for the moment, just say that um, there's these things which you can do, which seem like they're helping, seem like they're actually doing um, something, and you it might seem like that, and it's usually related to pleasure that you'll do something, but it's actually not helping you. Um, 
in an evolutionary sense of getting your genes into the next generation. So, The Social Leap was a pretty pretty decent book. I, I gave it a six and a half, but that was a harsh rating because uh, there was just so much in, info in that book that I'd read before, uh, particularly in The Red Queen by Matt Ridley, uh, any of Dawkins' work. Um, so, The Selfish Gene, for example, um, Steven Pinker, those are just some authors there, but I've, I've read plenty of evolutionary books um, particularly when I was in my sort of late teens, early 20s. So the information itself wasn't startling new, but there was a couple of little concepts there that I liked. And if I'd never read a book about evolution before, this probably would have been like, whoa, my God, this is crazy. Um, so much good, useful information. So uh, a little bit harsh there. The next one, Borges on writing. So this was um, Jorge Luis Borges, which is an Argentinian writer, was... Uh, an Argentinian writer who was a, a more of a poet and essayist and was in the Latin American boom period, very popular, came to prominence. I believe he got a Nobel Prize in literature. Um, if not, he would have been certainly very close to that level. And it was an examination of his writing style of how he goes into different, um, you know, how he thinks about writing in and translating works and things like that um one of the things i i picked out on which i found interesting was the the aspect of when you've released a work does it stand on its own or are you as the author sort of like allowed to change it and revise it this is kind of an an old topic i guess with related to you know you put out a work back in the day maybe you're a comic and you say this joke and then Five, ten years later, you're like, you know, I wouldn't make that same joke nowadays, but I did at the time. And sort of how do I reconcile those two facts? And one aspect that he just brought up, which I, I thought was a really good point, was he made a like a technical mistake. He meant to say uh, this character did this thing two days ago when it actually happened three days ago. And you know it it was a small subtle mistake that obviously he didn't notice the publishers the editors didn't notice and yet it was brought up at some point and a translation was being done of his work and so he requested the translator hey can you just fix up that mistake and make it say three days ago instead of two days ago uh, and yet the translator refused to to do it they they or the editor refused to do it and said no I, uh, this is the way it was written, this is the way it's going to be kept. And he's sort of like tearing his, his hair out in frustration going like, what the fuck? This is my work, you know. It's an obvious mistake that helps no one and yet you refuse to, to fix it even at my request, even though I wrote it. Uh, and I thought that was, a, that was a good point where I was like, mm, yeah, you know what, maybe some points it's, it's it's not worth being finicky over certain words and if the author decides that they want to to change their work i i feel that should be somewhat respected you know it's a, it's a hard balance it's a huge topic you could talk about that for hours uh but i did like i did like that one example showing where okay this is a you know obvious example where it would be better to respect the author's decision to to change their own work um, and yet 
there was uh, there was still pushback from this editor being like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So I gave that one a five out of ten. I read this in Spanish. It it highlighted a couple of things related to translations and stuff like that, but it's a pretty particular book. Unless you're interested in Borges or poets or and their thinking style or the idea of how to um, translate something, where it, whether it be a free translation, um, which is more in the style of like free flowing, trying to get the meaning across, or the literal translation, which is you know word for word, casa means house. Okay, I'm going to translate casa as house, even though maybe home would have been a more uh, fitting translation in the in the context of the whole sentence or the whole book. So. Uh, that's a uh, one for the the particular people who enjoy that stuff for sure. Beowulf was also the last one that I reviewed in April of 2022. <laughs> I can't say a whole lot good about this to be honest. I was expecting more. I'd heard of the Beowulf legend and myth. I thought it would be a lot longer. I thought it'd be more detailed. I thought it would have more of the lore sort of. I was expecting maybe a an altered version of the uh, like sword in the stone sort of mythology or King Arthur and, you know, a whole expansive uh, world creation, I guess. Whereas the book was, well, the poem is, is actually quite short. It doesn't go on for very long. And maybe there's some beauty in the old English translation. Maybe it depends on the translation you get. The only couple of things I noticed from it was, one, there was a lot of unique words per thousand words. It seemed like the translation was always bringing up, you know, he wouldn't just repeat happy. He would be, you know, um, glad, overjoyed, you know, um, pleasurable or, or whatever. It would, he would use so many different words to describe a, a similar adjective, I guess. And, and so I, I wonder if this was the author doing this, um, uh, sorry, the, the translator doing this, or if this was the actual author, the unknown poet who wrote Beowulf, wrote it in this old English style, which had a real um, maybe expansive vocabulary. And so you could convey so many different tinges of emotions and feelings, all of which slightly alter the story. Uh, that, that was a kind of cool aspect. And the other one was just Beowulf doesn't really speak much. You don't really get a feel for him as a person. And so it was hard for me to be like, go Beowulf. You can do it, man. Uh, it, it, it always seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was just going to kick the shit out of Grendel or Grendel's mother or the dragon. And I just, there, there was no suspense for me. There was no, oh, like what's going to happen? Uh, I, I didn't feel much for Beowulf. I was just like, oh, okay, he's a, he's a strong dude who can do stuff, but there was no additional character to him that I, I really enjoyed. So, yeah, that one was a little bit meh for me. So, I gave it a 4 out of 10. The last one, which was reviewed uh, in the very last day of, of March, actually, and but didn't make it into my previous recap, was Rogue State by William Blum, which Juan reviewed. And this was just one where I was... Super glad I didn't do it because that seemed like a book that I would have absolutely hated. Uh, just just it sounded tedious from the way Juan described it, especially, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of what the US has done. Um, I, I think one of the other reasons it didn't interest me is the 
Uh, my dad is was the one who sort of recommended this to Juan, so I've heard a lot of the things already being repeated by him and being told to me. So some of the information, whilst as a whole, uh, it would have it would definitely have a different context. I already know I don't really care that much about U.S. politics, and so getting into the finer details and weeds of why they are perhaps like a bad superpower and should not be viewed as, uh, you know, in a good light made me just go, "Eh, okay, Uh, I don't need to read this. Knowing about it is okay from secondhand sources. Seeing one's book review is fine. That's that's cool, but I don't need to read it personally myself. Uh, He gave it a 6 out of 10 and, yeah, just glad that I particularly didn't read it. So that is it for the the recaps. I'll get into a couple of the boostergrams that we've received for this month. So uh, this is one from Pitar, the Slav, and he says, uh, with reference to the Rogue State uh, book review that Juan did, I enjoy the fact that this was the book you picked to read just prior to visiting the US. Yeah, yeah, good job, Juan. <laughs> I suspect you're subconsciously immune, immunizing yourself from liking it too much while visiting. Heh. <laughs> Nice. That's a uh, that's a good point. I hadn't actually thought about that. Yeah, he's uh once once uh, maybe creating some little antagonism for him for himself there. He one does seem to enjoy drama, so um, I think yeah maybe he'll bring up some of the facts in the book while he's there just to just to stir some people up, see see what happens. <laughs> uh, and that was uh, one thousand two hundred nine sats using Fountain, so Fountain FM um, podcasting app. The had a couple of streams, people listening to, uh, this was Peter streaming for Medea and other plays. Thank you, Peter. Um, much appreciated again. And they said, I've heard it said best, the best revenge is living well. And this is in reference to Medea and other plays, uh, 2,178 sats sent also using Fountain. Yeah, yeah. So in that book review, I was really examining what is the point of revenge and you know, is this something that is useful at all? And I was coming more to the conclusion that it seems just so self-destructive that having, you know, seeking revenge on someone like Medea did by killing her own children um, to spite Jason and also killing Jason's wife uh, or or wife or future wife and and his uh, father-in-law, you know, it caused just as much grief for her as it did for him and all of the examples I was bringing up of of other people seeking revenge always did seem to, like Peter says, the, the best revenge is actually to sort of forget about it and just live your own life and, and live it well because trying to inflict that punishment on other people, as long as the punishment is, is not like a, as one to um, stop further abuse in the future, so... You know, punishing someone by putting them in prison, taking away their freedom because they're a murderer and they'll probably murder again, that sort of makes sense. But if it's just for the point of being, fuck you, you you hurt me, I want you to hurt just as much, yeah, bring. I, I feel bringing more hurt into the world doesn't doesn't really help anything unless it, it stops, you know, further hurt, I guess, or further bad things happening. So, um, yeah. I totally agree with you, Peter. The revenge doesn't seem super helpful. And so that is it for the uh, Boostergram Lounge. Uh, Once again, if you want to uh, help 
out the podcast, send in through some sats and a, and a message and get a special shout out um, like Peter has just here. Uh, yeah, send that in uh, via one of the newpodcastapps.com. Choose one of the ones on there with value. Breeze, Fountain, uh, Podfriend, Curocaster, Castomatic. Those are a bunch right there. Uh, Podverse you can also use. Uh, any of those are, are great and they all come through to me. So now we'll go to the coming up section. And once again, you can see that I am not super consistent with what I say because uh, the same books will be coming up. Uh, I have been taking my sweet, sweet time reading Reasons and Persons by Derek Parfit. Um, that is just, uh, it's just taking a long time. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm slightly putting it off because it's it's not a super fun read. It's a very philosophical book and, and super hard, but maybe I'll have finished it by this month. No promises here, um, but it, it's getting worked on. It's getting worked on. The, the Idiot by Dostoyevsky that is definitely coming up I, I definitely will have that one done by this this next month and also the book The Most Good You Can Do by Peter Singer um, that is definitely one that will be coming up this next month as well maybe another one by one although he'll be in the US so not likely um, and there'll probably be another one or two books thrown in there which I'm not sure about yet I'll, I'll find as I'm uh, as I'm going through. And so that is it, everyone. Thank you for joining me for this book recap. I hope you got some additional insights. I hope you had fun listening in, tuning in, viewing in, seeing the the pictures that were appearing on your screen. And yeah, just once again, um, I really do appreciate your your helping support the channel and, and viewing in. And uh, once again, I'm always open to feedback and recommendations. So if you have ideas on how I can improve this, Am I blabbing too much? Should I focus on more particular things? I would, I would love to know these stuff and, uh, you know, send in a request of what you would like to know more about um, of, of, of my interpretations of the book or, or something like that. And I will 100% read them out, listen to them on, um, on this book recap, uh, which I do at the end of every month. It's the last Monday of every month when it comes out. So that is it. Thank you, everyone, for joining. I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.